Welcome to the May Contain Wine Podcast, brought to you by Wine, Women, and Wellbeing. I'm your host, Lisa Webb, and together we're going to get to know incredible women doing all kinds of interesting things. So grab a glass and get ready to be inspired by the amazing women in our global community. Hello, my friends. Today I am talking with Brittany Preet, who is a combination of heart, hustle, and sunshine. She is a passionate entrepreneur who bet on herself. She went all in for her business and took a risk, making a leap that most of us would find terrifying. She's the owner of Bliss, and we promise you that you will find her story absolutely inspiring. Hello, Brittany. How are you? Oh, what an introduction. That's <laughs> well, so you made it happen. It's all you. Pretty much wraps me up in a bow. Yeah. That's my story right there. <laughs> I am so excited to have you, to have this conversation with you. So Thank let's, you for having me. <laughs> okay, let's start for people who don't know you and don't know wow. your journey. Why don't yeah. you give us a brief overview of you. Tell us a little bit more than what I said. Okay. So I'll give you the Coles notes of myself. My name is Brittany. I am 35 years old and I am a mother of two beautiful children. And I married, um, what I wish was my high school sweetheart, but I was in love with him. We met when we were 12 and we didn't get back to, well, we were never together, but we crossed paths when we were 25 and we've been together ever since. So he's, He's my biggest supporter and my best friend. And so, yeah, long, long story short, I was born and raised in this town, Oaktokes, which is 10 minutes south of Calgary. It's my hometown. I love it here more than anything. And like every 17, 18 year old, when I graduated high school, I moved and went to university and I was supposed to be a teacher. I went to school to be an educator and I hated kids. I didn't like <laughs> children at all. And I was four years deep into a degree and I absolutely hated what I was doing. And one month shy of um, graduating and transferring from a general um, studies degree, I transferred into an education or from education. And then I transferred to general studies and I saw an ad on Indeed and I took a job at a non-for-profit company. And that is where my career began when I was 21 years old. And so I started very young at a very well-known corporation. And I worked my way up the ladder being a young blonde, kind of ditzy, but very, very smart and willing to learn and a hard worker. And when I was 32 years old, I was on maternity leave and I had a five-year-old and a newborn baby and I got diagnosed with stage two melanoma. And it changed everything for me because I knew I was in this workplace and I was not meant to be there. Um, I didn't hate the job, but I didn't love it, but it was hard on my heart and it was 12 hour shifts and night shifts and I barely saw my family and getting diagnosed with melanoma and being told, that there's a 60% chance that I would die of cancer by the time I was 60. It shook my world and I didn't know what to do. And I had a two month old baby in my arms. Um, and so my husband said to me, you know, he was an entrepreneur. He was, had an entrepreneurial spirit. 
Um, he's a psychologist and he said, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I love people. I love beauty. I love connection. And he's like, well, what's your favorite thing? Well, ironically, getting spray tanned was one of my favorite things in the world. It always <laughs> made me feel good. I felt beautiful. I felt confident in what I wore. And my friend had bought the, the Sunatan franchise, which lots of people will know the name Sunatan. It was founded in, in Calgary. And um, she bought the franchise in my hometown. I helped her um, walk through that journey with her. And I knew she was wanting to sell it. So I convinced her to sell it to me. Um, so I bought the franchise and I had a five-month-old baby and a five-year-old. And I, I found out very quickly when I bought the franchise that um, there was nowhere for me to rent in town. And people either wanted me to... Um, be their employee or rent a room from them for an astronomical price or work their hours or take cut or commission. And I didn't have a choice. I was just doing it for something fun, something for myself. And I was tired of climbing the corporate ladder and not getting anywhere or it was exhausting. And so when I bought the business, I did find a place. It was a closet and Clay and I transformed a closet, like a 60 square foot closet into my tan vault and I needed to just book four spray tans a week. That's what I needed to do to be successful. And just sharing the word of what had happened to me in my journey of going through melanoma and having two major surgeries with, with babies. And um, I opened the business in June. I went back to work in October and I knew that what I was doing in my corporate job went against everything that I stood for. Fundamentally, my thought, my core values, my heart, my energy. And so I was basically dividing my time into this amazing business that I had started and to a corporation in which I really loved what it stood for, but at the soul of things was fundamentally against everything that I believed in. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to put food on the table. And because I had started there when I was 21, I was making a significant salary, incredible benefits, incredible vacation, and like a comfort, like I had a barrier that it didn't matter what happened in my business, I was protected by money and stability. Mm -hmm. So when I would drive past my little room rental every single day, there was this beautiful building being built directly behind the building that I was in. And I would see being built every day. And I said to Clayton, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to open up a business in there. I'm going to open up something in there and I don't know what it's going to be. And so this was in October. And then, so at that time, Organic Town had only been open a couple months. And I kept having these women come in over and over and over again. And they did body sugaring and Botox and massage therapy and psychology. And they're like, oh, I wish there, that I had a space where I could just work one day a week. Like it's, it's so expensive or I'm a mom or I have a full-time job. I just wish I had a place that I could go one day a week. And then it was like the Oprah aha moment, mm -hmm. the light bulb went off. And I said, yes, that is what I'm going to do. I'm going to open a shared collaborative space for women in business to run their business. I'm going to have a one day room rental. I will have my space to do organic tan. I'll also have a space that's universal for other women to rent daily and I called it bliss because the definition of bliss is pure joy and utter contentment. And that's what I want women to feel the second they walk in the door, 
and the second they leave. And I want them to feel loved and cherished and valued in this space, no matter what's happening outside of those doors. When they come in there, come in bliss, like we embody that and we want them to feel it, whether it be the smell or the feeling or the service that they have. So now we have nine women that work in this space. They utilize the space on different days. They have their permanent schedule in here. And I don't take any cut or commission from the women. They work whatever hours they want on their day. They could work five hours. They could work 15 hours. And the whole point of it is the business of beauty. It's all about who you know. So people are, think that it's crazy that I don't charge cut or commission. I do charge a higher rent. But it's all like, oh, you come in here to see Katie to get sugar. Did you know Brittany does spray tans? Are you coming to get spray tans? And, and it's like, did you know there's a bra boutique in here? And so all these women who didn't have a business or just had started out and had nowhere to go now work out of this beautiful boutique. Like this is the bathroom I'm in right now. And it's oh covered with wallpaper. Like and now they work in a beautiful professional boutique and they know that this is a no bullshit, no bad energy place where every single person, man, woman, or child is welcome here. So I opened this place and I had this idea mm -hmm. and I had to fight to get the lease because there was a waiting list of people to get the lease. And I was like, I'm getting this space. We got the keys December 31st and we developed this space in five weeks. Wow. We developed this space and I was working full-time at my corporate job. I was running organic tan out of a room rental. And then we, I was here till two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. My babies would sleep in the, in the furnace room, like in a playpen while we would sand the walls at three o'clock in the morning to get it open because we had to get it open because I was paying double rent. And so I always, I never thought that I would leave my corporate job. I thought that I would always somehow do it. Mm -hmm. And then when I was um, in February of 2020, uh -huh. we had been open for a year and man, it was amazing. Like it was so successful. We were so successful. Like we were making money that you couldn't believe, like money that's unimaginable to someone who's been on a salary for 13 years to have money coming in, but like energy is currency Yes, and people were flooding through the doors and it was the most incredible feeling. And so after a long, long, long back and forth, I decided I can't work my corporate job anymore the way it is. I'm putting in my notice. I want to work three shifts a month just to have my foot, like, like a little foot, a little bit of security and then COVID. And we got abruptly shut down and we actually shut down before anybody else did. We shut down a week. I saw you that week. Yeah. Um, we shut down a week earlier than anybody else did because I worked in a medical profession. I knew what was going on mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to play it safe. And my company asked me to come back full time. And I was like, uh, yeah, I got to put food on my table. Yeah. So we didn't get any rent reprieve. We didn't get any utility reprieve. We didn't charge the girls any rent during that time. We bit the bullet and we double paid. And I went back to working a full-time job. And, and it was in that time, I knew this was a disaster. Like working, like when I had already let go of it and to go back working full-time was not the right thing for me. 
So, so in last summer, in August, my husband had an emergency spinal surgery. Um, he was very ill, very sick. The day after his spinal surgery, the kids and I got T-boned. I got a severe concussion. The following day, my aunt died suddenly at six years old vacuuming. And it was like, we're done. This big life that we have of this beautiful 2,500 square foot luxury home with the biggest yard in the neighborhood and all the nice things, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was this terrifying feeling. But at that time, Bliss had been open again for a month and a half and we were doing so well, but I was like double downing on work. I was working full-time at Bliss, full-time at my corporate job, still trying to be mom of the year. My poor husband, he was around, <laughs> he was there. And I used that like, and, um, and I just could not do it anymore. And so we made the decision like this, we were going to put our full hearts into bliss. Like we were going to make it work. And because I was dividing my energy and bliss is so opposite than that life of emergencies and death and sadness constantly to this light of bliss. And so I had given my notice to my HR and my managers and then I made it public on December 2nd and my last day would be December 29th. And on December 6th, the government abruptly announced the second shutdown uh. and we had six months in the bank of money and we had an astronomical mortgage. We had big car payments. We had all the beautiful things mm -hmm. and working two jobs. We could afford those things. And it's not like we were like had quick money and we bought all these things. We stayed for our house for two years before we moved into our dream neighborhood. Our best friends lived on the street. We'd lived there eight years. This was a life we were comfortable financially and we knew we couldn't do it anymore. And that meant letting go of everything. And we decided that week that we were gonna sell our house. And we were going to put it in the universe's hands. And this was before the rush. This was before the market blew up. Mm -hmm. At that time, we spoke to two financial advisors, three mortgage brokers, three real estate agents. And every single person said, you need to sell your house now if you're going to break even or you are going to lose everything and you're going to get nothing out of your house. So in January, we sold our house in eight days, which was unheard of yeah, in January. It was moving then. Every, nothing was moving. Nothing was selling over 600,000. And we sold our house in eight days. The lovely people that bought our house took possession in two weeks because they put a lot of money down and we had to pack up our dream house and we had nowhere to go with two children and bliss got shut down. I worked my last day on December 29th. We packed up our house in two weeks and we had nowhere to go. And our cousin um, was away for work in the States and they offered for us to live in their house and we rented their house and we're so grateful for that, but it was a completely different environment. And it was like the lowest point of my life. Like I had just left a corp, like a job, a family. Security. You left security. Uh, yeah. A 14 years, a very good salary. My business was closed with so many unknowns. And we were left like 
with a complete cliffhanger of what is our life going to be. What I did know is that we wanted to move back to Oaktokes, our hometown, because we've been commuting every day anyways. Um, I grew up in this beautiful community called Suntree, and that's the street that I grew up on. And I wrote on a piece of paper every single day for four months that I'm going to live in a 1970s house on Suntree Lane, and I'm going to buy it for under $450,000. And in that time of limbo, Clayton and I dropped 150 letters, knocked on doors. We had three conditional sales and all fell through. And this was all while Bliss was closed. And one day, this lovely couple in a snowstorm, oh, it gives me goosebumps. They, the night after a conditional sale had fallen through, um, and this was in the boom. So this is when houses that are valued were like overvalued by like 30, 40%. And there was like 10 offers on them. Right. And, and my husband was like, Brittany, that's not the house for us. It's not on the street that we want. And he's like, we're going to get our house. And the very next day, our, our realtor went door knocking with our letter and this lovely couple opened the door and they're like, oh, this family. And they pulled our letter up and they're like, we were just going to call them. Like we're, we're moving at the end two months and we were just going to call them. And we bought their house that night for $450,000, oh. 1970s house on Suntree Lane. And um, Bliss opened June 13th, I think. We opened up again. And we, no, it was... June 6th, we opened our third time and it has been busier here than I could ever like dream of. Like I knew, I knew it would be okay. And it's like, we're booked. Everyone's booked. We're booked out and you have to pre-book. And it's like, we got possession of our house on May 28th. Bliss opened. It's like when it rains, it pours, but it's like, it's raining and pouring happiness. We got possession of our house on May 28th and then bliss opened June 6th again. And it's like, we've been doing nothing for yeah. months. And then and now we have possession of our house, which needs to be fully, it is gutted. We have That's no what wall. I was going to say. Tell everyone yeah. what your house is currently looking like. Um, I'll send you a picture. There's no walls. There's no windows. There's no floors. There's no ceiling. And we're living in the basement and are, and are ordering a lot of skip the dishes, but it's going to be amazing. And so now here we are. If you told me a year ago that Brittany, you're not going to work at your corporate job anymore, and you're not going to live in your dream neighborhood, and you're going to be renovating a 1970s house. I would laugh in your face. I would laugh in your face. And now here we are and we're living, it is not what we thought our life was going to be like. And now it's like even better. And now we're in this amazing community. I'm on the street I grew up in with my like, the love of my life and my kids get to grow up going to the same school I went to and I'm working. It's not even work. Like this is like the joy of my life is being in bliss Mm -hmm. and we're busier than we have ever been. And that's my story in a nutshell. I can't even Brittany. So as you're talking, I knew your story, but I didn't know all of your story. And as as we're talking, we were in similar situations because I was working a full-time job, which I stopped because of a concussion. And once I stopped, I was like, um, I'm, I can't go back there. Yeah. I, I, I didn't, sometimes you don't see it until you step out of it for a second. And 
when I stepped out of my really secure, well-paying benefits pension job and that concussion is what pulled me out. But once I was out, I was like, okay, well now what? Because I'm not going back. And then we had to do the big, like sell your house, like my dream home, put it up for sale in two weeks. And now as we talk, like you can see, I'm coming at you from an Airbnb (laughs) in France because I am currently homeless, but we just found our house and we're moving it in two weeks. Um, So it's exciting, but there are holy shit moments in there because you can't, you can't see it when you're in it. You can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. You just, you are just in the eye of the shit storm. And it's like terrifying. And I think that like, if there's anything that people can take away from this, I think that we need to know that is terrifying as terrifying as it is to do those things it takes yeah. doing things like that. Like you get nowhere when you don't change. I hear people talk all the time about goal setting and manifesting and making a dream board. And I'm like, that's great. What are you doing about it? Yes. What are you doing about it? Are you acting on those nudges? Are you following your intuition? Are you actively physically moving towards making those dreams and goals happen for you? Because then if you're not, then it's all for nothing. And it's fluffy information. That's what 99% of the world does. Yes. Have to act on it. And if you don't, nothing's going to happen for you. So my, my question for you is how did you muster up that bravery to make that terrifying, like to basically step off the cliff? You're taking this step and you don't know what's on the other side. Like, how did you, like, where did you get your bravery and your courage from? And where do you go to for inspiration? So if you had met Brittany three years ago, she was a shadow of the person you know today. I never used to read books. I never used to listen to podcasts. I never used to journal. I never used to manifest. I didn't do any of it. I was like the most basic B you'd ever met. I love reality TV shows and drinking wine and working out and like hanging out and doing nothing. And that is like a great life to live. And I, and so anytime that I had worked my ass off, like when I started organic town, I had no idea what I was doing, no idea. And it was when I would put the work in. And so the biggest thing that I did was like, I took an Instagram course, a three month Instagram course. I read the Rachel Hollis book, girl, wash your face. It changed me. And then I just started taking online courses and and motivating myself and teaching myself how to not get in that headspace. Um, Anytime, failure was never an option, never an option. I've never put an ounce of failure into thinking, oh shit, this isn't gonna work out. It was, this is my concern. I would write it on a piece of paper. So you fold, you take a piece of paper and you fold it in half. And you write, this is my concern. And then on the other side, you write, and then. So then you write down on the left-hand side, this is my concern. And on the right-hand side, and then I'm going to do this. And this is my concern. And then I'm going to do this. So is there, there's never been a doubt in my mind in any of this that this wouldn't work out. I always, I always know what the end game is. I just don't know what that journey is going to look like and how long it's going to take. And this last one, I'm trying to find a house in a pandemic. 
in a freaking economy explosion was debilitating and devastating to say it mildly. And if we had known, we could have sold our house for $130,000 more three weeks later, but we didn't know. So I just tell people like have a plan. And, and for me, that doesn't always necessarily be like have a detailed roadmap. I'm not a detail oriented person like that. I know what my end game is. And that is what I put my energy into. Yeah. Every single day I write down the first thing I do when I get up in the morning is write what my life is going to look like. And I always December 31st is the cutoff date. So I am going to be getting, I am working out at five o'clock in the morning, five days a week. I am doing this. So I write my life as if it is how my goals are my current life. Right. And so I don't know how it's going to get there, but it's always ended up where I want it to. Yes. So it's like, I don't have, the, I don't give the neg, I don't give the energy to the, the negative, negative stuff or the what ifs because it's completely wasted energy. 100% agree. Yeah. <laughs> so what part is harder than you ever thought? What's been the hardest part in all of this? Um, not having a home for my family. And it like, it makes me want to cry because we're still in it. Like we're in our home, but we are like, we don't have floors and we don't have a ceiling and like having two little babies that are, have been raised in this beautiful house in this beautiful neighborhood and a street full of dozens of their friends and completely disrupting their livelihood and pulling them out of it, it's devastating and not knowing and not, and like, you can't tell a three and a five and a three and an eight year old, like, oh, don't worry. We're going to have a house soon. We just don't know when or where. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Trust the energy. Like you can't explain that to a three-year-old. You can't. Not having that kind of stability. It's heartbreaking for, to see your kids go from their own wings of the house and their own bathrooms to sharing a bed with stained walls and a bathroom that doesn't work. And it's for, for me, that was the hardest, but just like that was the hardest thing is not having stability for my children, even though they were, they had a roof over their head, food on the table, parents that love them, parents that love them. And you're in a pandemic. So things have already changed so much. Mm -hmm. That's been the the biggest struggle, like not having security for them in a way that they're accustomed to. Right. And I think this is why it's so important for us to share our stories because people might look at you and they might go into bliss and be like, Oh, she really has it made. Oh, she's got this great. Like people don't realize like the grit and literally giving your everything to where your passion lies. And that takes some serious guts. And I recognize that in you because I know how scary that can be. And I just like hats off, whatever, whatever that is, I just commend you (laughs) for actually doing it. And like, you're not just talking about it, but actually doing it. So 
before Bliss opened January, I can't, not January, it was either June 14th or 16th, 2020. I had six, Clayna had $6 in her bank account, $6. And we, had, we were, we were tapped out. We didn't have any money left because we were paying our mortgage. We we're paying two car payments. We we're paying our astronomical lease for Bliss with zero money coming in. We had $6. and it's okay and we didn't take any grants or sorry we took grants we didn't take CERB we didn't take any funding or loans because it was like we never want to be indebted to people and it that's the thing is Instagram is the highlight of people's yeah and people always need to remember that what you see on the grid is the highlight Yeah. And I think that's what I love that you are showing, like you're showing now, um, on your page, your renovations that you're doing and you're like, this is what we're living in. And I think people appreciate that. And I started doing that on our move this time in my journey, because last time people will be like, Oh, look at her. She's always in Spain. She thinks she's so fancy. And, And this time I was like, actually, this is what it looks like. And I have been showing like, the the shit show that we've been going through to get there and I said okay you guys so next time when I'm in Spain you need to remember that it's the same distance as Banff is I don't get mad when you go to Banff you don't get mad when I go to Spain it's a deal Um, and so I just think that um I appreciate you sharing the journey and just being so open about what it took to get where you are. And I'm just so freaking happy that you are as busy as you are. And so all the people need to go and see you in Okotoks, drive out to Okotoks. Uh, Okay, Brittany, I'm going to ask you some wine, woman, and well-being questions. You ready? Sure. Yes. Okay. If you could share a bottle of wine with one woman living or dead, who would you want to sit down and have a conversation with? Oh, it would be Rachel Hollis. And I know she's not everyone's favorite right now. And I don't really care because three and a half years ago, we were all obsessing over her book and we all make mistakes and we all say things, but she just happens to be in the public light. And she said the wrong thing at the wrong time. And she didn't know the temperature of what was going on. And I'm not condoning or supporting what she did, but I'm saying that girl, like, she has knowledge and that book changed my life. She's and shaken a lot of us. She's woken up a lot yeah, of women, yeah. I think. And I so think that we need I just, to recognize that. I agree with you. People make mistakes and we're not all perfect. No. And you can't so, instantly cancel and hate someone. Yeah. And then I think Barbara Walters, like she's incredible. She's an incredible journalist. She is uh, like for the 60s and 70s, she was a non-standard um anchor woman you know anchor women back then had all the beauty not a lot of brains were told what to do and she was not the typical anchor woman and she was always confident or came across confidently educated smart surprised people um and comfortable and educated and I I love that about her and I find like I like I would want to sit down with her too because that I feel like I can relate to that when I was in the corporate world for that long in a very male dominated corporation. I'm a blonde haired, blue eyed, big boobed, tall woman. <laughs> Lucky you. So the words out of my mouth don't match my appearance typically. So Barbara Walters, okay. Rachel Hall. <laughs> Leave me too. 
What is your go-to well-being or self-care practice? Uh, I am a 4.45 a.m. riser. So I am at the gym or I am walking at five o'clock, six days a week. Not optional. Your Your favorite book or podcast recommendation? Oh, well, it's Rachel Hollis. Like, um, actually, I just started listening to Ryan Serhant, Big Money Energy. He's from Million Dollar Listing, but he's like one of the original cast members. But he has, uh, well, I guess for a year I've been listening, but his podcast is like incredible. And he has, it's all entrepreneurs on his show. And I find that a lot of, of podcasts that you listen to are very like, this is my story, which I love, but Ryan Serhant's the people that he has on tell their story, but they also give advice. Good. I like hearing advice and, and, um, hearing how people can talk through their challenges. So what does sisterhood mean to you? Sisterhood is surrounding yourself with, um, with women who are not necessarily like-minded, but women who have similar values to you, um, women who support you, women who will be honest with you, and women who will stand by you and hold you accountable in the shit, and they will praise you in the good times, no matter what. Love that. Last one. What advice would you give your 16-year-old self? Oh my God. Become an entrepreneur earlier in life. Right. Don't do what your parents want you to do. Do what you want to do. Because I feel like I, I love my parents, but I feel like I could have been more earlier. And I feel like I learned a lot, but I feel like it was a lot of wasted time trying to prove myself to do what my parents wanted what my parents thought was best for me and not what I knew was best for me. So good. Thank you, Brittany. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you for being so honest and, and showing the good with the bad. Yes. And um, congratulations. Cause I'm just so happy at what you have built for Thank yourself. You. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening friends. If you like what you've heard, subscribe and recommend us to a friend. Head to winewomenwellbeing.com to find out more about what our community is all about and reach out to us on social media. We'd love to connect. Until next time, stay classy, stay kind.